everybody. Welcome back to Line Em Up. Welcome back to our NL preview episode. Hopefully you guys caught our AL preview and our predictions uh, in the last episode. If you didn't, uh, be sure to catch that as you don't want to miss any uh, spoilers here in this episode once we get to the World Series. But uh, happy to be back. We're ready to cover all things MLB, all things prediction in this episode, especially for uh, the National League. And we will get to those coveted World Series predictions by the end of the episode. And I'm happy to be here and joined by uh, the two co-hosts that are unwavering in their attendance for Line em Up, uh, John and, of course, Eric. Yeah, and, and that's right, folks. Your ears are not deceiving you. Shadow producer Brendan has finally stepped out of the shadows to take on season two of baseball here at Line em Up. Uh, as he said, we should have an NL or AL preview out here. This is the NL preview. So if you are uh, new to the podcast or if you're starting off your season two first here with the NL preview, welcome. Uh, we cover everything from fantasy to betting to real life sports here on Line em Up. And here we are covering the National League preview for the 2020 baseball season. And Brendan's a big National League fan, also a big National League fan is Eric. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for joining us. I'm excited to talk some baseball as we have a fun-filled season underway. I mean, everybody is where they should be. I'm with my co-hosts, with John and Brendan here, and you, the listeners, right here with us. The whole gang's all together, so let's get rolling. And without further ado, get, in, get into some National League baseball. We're going to start as we did in the American League episode, and, and once again, please check that out. We're going to start out west. And Eric, you are a huge fan of of this NL West division as a Dodgers fan yourself. The Dodgers, once again, after a offseason that can only be described as par for the course for the Dodgers, even with all the craziness that uh, went down in Tinseltown, uh, they are the favorites at minus 235. Following right behind them is perhaps the biggest disappointment of the 2021 season. That is the San Diego Padres. Uh, Vegas expecting them to bounce back. They are at plus 290 to win the division. The Giants, the Cinderella team of the 2021 season, the surprise that no one saw coming last year, they are at plus 600 to win the division. And then the Rockies and Diamondbacks follow up in the rear with uh, plus 12,000 odds. Not 1,200, 12,000, which I think speaks to the strength of those top three teams. Eric, we will start with you as this is your sort of home division, so to speak. Uh, how do you see this one shaking out? Are any of these teams going to uh, challenge your beloved Dodgers? Well, to answer the media question, I really don't think so. This is definitely my home division. I would not necessarily say it's my favorite division because I guess I despise for the individual teams that are in this uh, division. I'm only, it just happens to be the division where my favorite team resides, which is the Los Angeles Dodgers, who I do have projecting at, uh, th at the top of this division. I, I don't expect the Padres, the Giants, the Rockies, or the Dimecks to challenge that this year in particular. Um, I think each of those teams have a lot of questions on their rosters. Um, and the, the Dodgers team is honestly too stacked, and I'll hopefully hear from you guys about why that may be. But in, the, in second place for this division, I have the Padres, which is right in line with the odds makers. Um, the Giants did do very well last season, but I have them projected third here. Um, I, I I do note that, I mean, Tatis is injured for the Padres, but I'm expecting a little more optimism from this Padres rotation in particular. Um, I love you, Darvish, have, have always been a fan, and then uh, they uh, still have Joe Musgrove. Blake Snell should have a solid year, hopefully to bounce back. So, I mean, these are great pitches before they came into the 
to the Padres. Um, I expect them to do well again. Um, they have decent hitters, I'd say, for the in their lineup. Uh, we'll have to see if they can put a consistent year together, uh, particularly as Tatis is out. Um, but I think they have a solid shot to make the playoffs from that spot. And on the other end, for the Giants, I think they had a magical ride last season, but I don't think a lot of their older players are going to do as well as they did last year. For example, Brandon Bell, Brandon Crawford. Um, I still have questions about how well they can keep this going. Obviously, that was to our detriment all of last year. I think a lot of us counted the Giants out throughout the year, and they clearly showed everybody that they're here to play. Um, but I, I think three is where they're going to be in this division this year, and I, I don't want to overproject them, um, particularly with, for example, losing um, Gaussman at the top of their rotation. Um, then I have the Rockies and the Dimex uh, rounding out the division. I think um, the Rockies are still solid enough to finish better than the Diamondbacks. I love their pickup of Chris Bryant. I still think they have solid pitchers, for example, in uh, Herman Marquez. Um, and I, I think they're going to do well enough to show some optimism, but uh, not enough to make any splash that's worth noting. Yeah, I'll go next here, John, just because I don't see this division shaking out in any other way uh, other than the way that the Vegas oddsmakers have placed it. Um, you know, I think it's pretty straightforward. I have the Dodgers winning a division, obviously. You know, they're a leg up on everybody else. And I think if anybody's going to give them a run for their money, it'll be the Padres. But I think the Dodgers will keep them at arm's length for the majority of the season. Um, I do, however, have the Padres sliding into a wild card spot, and we'll get into that a little bit more uh, in a bit. But, uh, yeah, it's similar to how Eric views it, I think there's two different ways you can look at this Giants team. You can either very um, overvalue last season's success and overproject them, or you can undervalue them and say that it was a one-off and uh, kind of push them out of the playoff picture completely. And I think both of those are mistakes. Uh, I would say that I don't expect the Giants to have anywhere near as much success as they had last year. Obviously, I have them finishing third in the division, but you know, I do think that they'll uh, contend for – at least a wild card spot for the majority of the year. And, um, I, you know, I think finishing above 500 is, you know, almost a certainty for the Giants this year. Uh, but I think uh, just their in-division competition with the Padres and Dodgers will uh, prove to be too much, and I have them missing the playoffs ultimately. And then, of course, there are uh, the next tier of teams in this division with the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. You know, I had a hard time trying to choose which one would finish fourth or fifth. I don't think it really matters, frankly, but, you know, for the sake of uh, our predictions, I definitely uh, ended up going with the Diamondbacks finishing fourth and the Rockies fifth. But, again, I could see it shaking out either way. Yeah, and, and I think what is going to be fascinating in this division is the Padres got better. They made some moves this offseason to get better. The Dodgers got better somehow. Uh, I don't really know how, Money. but they did. And the yeah money <laughs> and the Giants didn't get better. Uh, I think it, that's the easiest way to put it. Is uh, maybe optimistically you could say they sort of stood pat. Uh, some people will say that with the losses, particularly in their pitching rotation, they got worse. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. Can the Padres overcome this dis the disappointment from last year? Can the Giants, you know, sort of keep this all going i have the division shaking out the exact same way uh i have the dodgers padres and giants finishing one two three i do have the diamondbacks 
finishing fourth and the Rockies finishing fifth. Uh, I just have a feeling that the Diamondbacks are going to take a step forward this year. Not any crazy type of step forward, uh, but that they are going to take a step forward. And for me, the signing of Chris Bryant doesn't really move the needle. I think, if I'm being honest, Chris Bryant is one of the most overhyped players uh, in baseball. Uh, he, not to say that he's not a good player, but I don't think he is the type of elite player that he is sometimes billed to be. So that move doesn't really uh, move the needle for me. I think the Rockies finish Amen. fifth. Uh, now, for these storylines, Eric, I, I want to again kick it to you first because I I'm sure there are a lot of storylines as a fan of a team in this division that you have your eye on. What is the uh, biggest one for you in terms of how this division is going to shake out? Which one are you most focused on? Well, I think for me, first and foremost, is I'm excited to have Freddie Freeman on this Dodgers team. I, I, he was a phenomenal player last year. He obviously was a component that uh, shut the Dodgers out of reaching that World Series game um, on a very deserving Atlanta Braves team. Um, and it, it's it's I'm excited to see uh, how he's going to play out with the rest of this stacked uh, lineup that the Dodgers are putting out there um, day in and day out. Um, on the other end, I mean, I. I uh, you guys did mention Chris Bryant. I'm excited to see how Chris Bryant's going to play in Colorado. I think he is going to get a boost in uh, playing at Coors Field. Um, you guys may be skeptical, but I still have a lot more optimism in, in what we're going to see out of Chris Bryant. Um, and I, I think he's going to make a bigger name um, while he's in Colorado. So, I'm yeah, again, I think the Chris Bryant signing is okay. I think he does make Colorado better. I just don't think he makes a huge difference. I'm going to go back to the Giants because I want to talk about this a little bit more. Last year, I was very low. I think all of baseball was much lower on the Giants. Uh, none of them expected to have, you know, the best record in baseball like they did. And I want to see if they can catch lightning in a bottle twice. Now, Buster Posey retiring, Kevin Gossman going to the Blue Jays, you know, a couple of the other losses that they suffered are huge. But they do bring in Carlos Rodon, who had a great season for the White Sox last year, even if they were, you know, he was a little bit hurt towards the end of the year. They do have um, Joey Bart, who was actually the former number, number two overall pick in the draft a couple years ago, who is now taking over for Buster Posey. And so I am really excited to see if, you know, these players can step in, that they can fill the the gaps that have been left in this giant team. Uh, a name that I know you're very familiar with and maybe still hold some fond uh, feelings towards Eric, Jock Peterson. He steps into this Giants lineup. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. But I am not betting. Uh, I, I do have the Giants going to the playoffs, and I'm not betting against this team in the same way that I did last year because I think there is just a certain element of veteran leadership, of experience, and, and you know, just having been through it all that you can't discount with this team, even playing in this really tough. Yeah, I think mean, those are great callouts, John. I'm I'm a big fan of your callouts of Carlos Rodon and, and Jock Peterson. I'm excited to see how well they're going to do in San Francisco. Obviously, I'm not rooting for this team at all and their team success, but these individual players are great callouts for their their acquisitions this season. Sorry, go ahead, Brendan. No, I think the the biggest mistake you can make, as I kind of already mentioned, is just to completely discount last year's success. You know, a team doesn't win 100 games by accident. Um, I, I do think they take a step back, and I do think there was an element of um, 
kind of luck and momentum that was on their side last year. And, I, you know, again, I, I think it would be a mistake to say that this team finishes around 500 or even below 500. Um, but I, I do think they will compete similarly, as John says, for a wild card spot. Uh, it's just a question of actually, if they actually uh, make it come to fruition or not. Um, and as far as my headline, I'm not going to let this whole Chris Bryant talk officially end here. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I personally, and I think I'm definitely not alone in the MLB community here when I say the Colorado signing of Chris Bryant makes zero sense to me. Um, both, yeah. I yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I don't disagree with that, but he's there, so I, I mean. Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> is there, and he, he will get at least a slight boost in my eyes from playing in Coors Field in that uh, altitude, but I mean, the real question on my mind is how long until Chris Bryant is sick of being there? I mean, does he want to be the guy that plays on a team that's competing every year? Because he's not going to get that in Colorado. Or does he want to be the guy that just gets paid a bunch of money, gets overpaid for his actual production? Then great. He can stay in Colorado for the rest of his career. He can miss the playoffs by 20 games every year. He can be devastated by pitching in L.A. and San Francisco and San Diego for years to come. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, he's more than welcome to do all those things. Because much uh, like John had already mentioned, I think Chris Bryant is um, very, very overrated as far as his actual skill. And uh, that comes from absolutely no place of bias in my eyes. <laughs> well, for, for, two people, for two people who actually don't like Chris Bryant, you're definitely not letting him obscure, uh, like fade into obscurity here. They, these, I was the only one that was going to bring up Chris Bryant, and these, my co-hosts here are the ones that are bringing up Chris Bryant even before me. So let me ask a, a question that's sort of out of left field here. Do you both think that had Chris Bryant not been traded last year from the Cubs, that he would have been happy to sort of take whatever type of big money Chicago may have been willing to offer him and just play out his, you know, the rest of his career in Chicago, even if they weren't going to be competitive? Because him signing for the Rockies sort of suggests that he might have been. The short answer for me is no. But the reasoning that I say that is because I think there was a rift between him and ownership at Chicago because of you know past occurrences with some of his service time and the way that they handled him coming up into the big leagues. I think there was an issue there. And then also, you know, the departure of his, his World Series winning teammates, um, a lot of them being gone out of Chicago, I think that played a big factor as well. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, obviously, from the Rockies' standpoint, and it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me from Chris Bryant's standpoint unless his only goal is to uh, maximize his earnings in the MLB, which – could be could very well be his, his goal yeah i don't know I, I don't know what's going on in chris bryant's head obviously i don't think he's going to go back to the cubs because like brendan mentioned like they traded in particular anthony rizzo so i mean he doesn't have some of his fieldmates there um it, it, i i completely agree that it doesn't make sense that the rockies signed chris bryant and chris bryant agreed to go to colorado but uh, at the end of the day he's there so i don't i don't know what's going on through his head maybe he just maybe he'll like the altitude i don't know all right, and then so getting into some of these over-under predictions for this AL, uh, excuse me, NL West, um, we have the Dodgers at 97.5, Padres at 90.5, Giants at 85.5, uh, Rockies at 68.5, and then Diamondbacks at 66.5. Any of those stand out for you as ones where you're pretty confident that they're going to go over, pretty confident go under? I mean, for me, it's really easy. I don't think that you know, I, I can't. I don't see a world where the Dodgers don't push up to 100 wins this year. Let's go. I, think, I completely uh, agree. Yeah, I figured you'd like that, Eric. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think 97 and a half is a little conservative, honestly, which is kind of absurd to say. But this is, 
you know, this is a team for the ages, and I don't think anybody's here to dispute that. And the fact that they have a line of 97 and a half, and I'm confidently taking the over, uh, speaks volumes there. Yeah, I mean, this team won 106 games last year. I mean, maybe they put a lot of stock in losing Corey Seager or something like that, but I mean, I think this team is plenty good enough to beat get 98 wins at least yeah i'll go the other that's other other end of the spectrum i think the rockies are a hundred loss team so i will go under there on the rockies now we talked a, a bit about uh the cubs we talked a bit about the nl central now let's officially kick off the nl central talk and this was a division that had a surprise winner last year in the brewers uh they are once again considered the favorites at minus 165 to win the division this year the Cardinals coming up in second place as they did last year. And the odds sort of reflect something that I think we can all agree on in that this is going to be a two-team race. Uh, it is either the Brewers or the Cardinals. The Cubs and Reds each at uh, plus 1,100 and plus 1,700 odds respectively. And then the Pirates all the way down at plus 7,500 uh, 7, odds to win the division. So this is going to be a two-team race. And... Brendan, I want to hear from you first because this is your home division. So what do you expect out of the NL Central? Uh, and what do you expect out of this race between the Brewers and Cardinals? Surprise, surprise, everybody. I've got the St. Louis Cardinals winning the NL Central. And I actually don't think that this is as controversial as you guys are going to make it out to be. Uh, actually, I say you guys. I'll say Eric, I guess. Um, because, you know, I think the biggest strength of the Milwaukee Brewers last year, and this team was, uh, you know, I think they did overperform a lot, was that they, you know, obviously had a top pitching staff in the league. And maybe it's my bias. Maybe I'm, you know, I, I, I'm looking through rose-colored glasses here, and I don't want to see that their rotation is actually as good as it is. But I just don't, I don't believe in Corbin Burns replicating the success that he had last year. I don't think he's going to be bad by any stretch of the word, but – Will he contend for the Cy Young? I don't think so. And I think Brandon Woodruff, albeit I think his success is more sustainable, um, I think he takes a slight step back. And honestly, I think Freddie Peralta could be the best pitcher in this Milwaukee Brewers rotation if he stays healthy this year. And, you know, they'll keep them in the race for the division for sure. Um, I would be shocked if they're not uh, a playoff team. But – to me, I don't. I just don't see it. They don't have any offense, really. I don't think Christian Yelich makes that big leap back to MVP caliber. If he does, obviously that changes the name of the game here. But I don't see them putting up a lot of runs, and I don't see their pitching being nearly as dominant as it was last year. Um, but for those reasons, I have the Cardinals winning the division. I have the Milwaukee Brewers finishing second as a wildcard team, so I'll, I'll throw a little bit of love there. Uh, and I have the Cubs coming in third, missing the playoffs, obviously. Cincinnati Reds in fourth. And Pittsburgh Pirates finishing. So, Eric, you see it differently. You're still believing in the team that I like to call the team of my people, as they are the Brewers and I am the Beers. But why do you have the Brewers still coming on top and the Cardinals finishing well, in second? So here's the thing. I, I mean, I actually agree with a lot of what Brendan says. I, but the thing is that I was down on the Brewers all of last year, and they still beat the Cardinals in that division. I think we all projected the Cardinals to be better than them at the beginning of the year, and the, the Cardinals didn't show up. So now with that year to review, I mean, obviously there might be some issues with the health, but I mean, I think Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, these individuals are good enough to reproduce what they did last year. And obviously I might have a little more optimism in what they have in their lineup and Christian Yellich bouncing back, McCutcheon making a difference on that um, on that team. I think they have a possibility of, uh, I mean, 
definitely beating this uh, this Cardinals team out, as the odds makers are definitely putting it out at. On the Cardinals side of the ball, who I have uh, getting second in the division um, and also make the playoffs, um, I, I don't have as much faith in their rotation. I, I love this um, outfield that the Cardinals have in, I mean, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, um, Harrison Bader. Like, the, I, I love them for like the past, what, two years um, since they were brought up. But like this, I have a lot of questions about the rotation that didn't, wasn't good last well i guess i mean wayno did pretty well last year but i mean they weren't they didn't stay healthy at all last year flaherty's yeah, still know, on the il i have questions about the rest of the rotation good, sorry one more time top five in the cy young voting is yeah 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 but i mean he's another year older he's he's turning 41 i like i to put that much faith in wayno i with flaherty out and seeing how he can come back from il and his injury and how this rest of this rotation is going to shake up. I mean, I like Steven Matz, but, like, until I see it, I'm not going to project this team over what we've seen from the Brewers over the past couple of years. Like, we all projected the Cardinals do well last year, and they didn't show up. So, until then, I have, I'm a little more pessimistic. I still have them making the uh, postseason, but I, I don't have them beating the Brewers just yet. And then rounding it out, I have the Cubs, the Reds, and the Pirates in that order, as the Ozmakers do as well. Okay, so I also have the Cubs, Reds, and Pirates finishing uh... – Three, four, and five. I am going against my people here and not only putting the Cardinals as the first place team, but putting the Cardinals as the only team from the NL Central that makes the playoffs. Now, I had the Giants making the playoffs where Brendan and Eric did not, and so one team has to go. And for me, that team is the Brewers. Um, now, all last season, I was... You know, I don't know that I was officially on the Brewers bandwagon, but I certainly believed in them when others didn't because of the strength of that pitching rotation. But what worries me is that they knew that they had a problem offensively. Christian Yelich has not been the same player for a while. And the fact that they are basically just counting on him to rediscover his MVP form and haven't really done a whole lot around him to improve this team worries me this is a you know below average offense i don't think that there's any other way to slice it you're relying on players like christian yelich and lorenzo cain who are both past their primes it would seem to carry this team in a way that i don't know that they can be carried Andrew McCutcheon, another player who's passed his prime, and that's really the only meaningful offensive addition that this Brewers team made. And so while, again, I, I tend to sort of be more in the boat that Eric is in, I don't doubt Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta's ability to come close to replicating the success they had last year, but I just don't think that you can sort of hold status quo as the Brewers and expect everything to be okay offensively when very clearly towards the end of last season it was a problem they still made the playoffs and they still you know did everything um that they could but they didn't uh you know they didn't show anything in the playoffs they they, they went they went out with a whimper and they didn't do anything to fix the offense so i have the cardinals coming out and one of the things that I want to touch on too, because Eric, I think very correctly pointed out that there are question marks in the in the Cardinals rotation. When is Zach, uh, Jack Flaherty going to get healthy? But 
I want to see if the Cardinals end up doing something that I think they should have done last year and hopefully they do this year in bringing up some of these pitchers that they have in the minor leagues. I think Matthew Libertor and Zach Thompson are two names that could and in my mind should make an appearance sometime in St. Louis this year. And I think if they're able to do that and if, if they're able to get them in a role to be contributors, this is a division this is St. Louis's division to lose. Amen, John. I mean, I, I only don't like the Cardinals when they're in the Dodgers' way. Like, I, I, I like the individual players on this team. I love that they re-signed uh, Albert Pujols. But um, I guess you guys made all great points about the Brewers, which I also completely agree with. But, again, until the Cardinals make that jump, until I see something out of their bullpen as well, which I would also give the edge to the Brewers, I, I, I can't put my money on the Cardinals to win this division just yet. And that's fair. That's that's certainly fair. This is definitely, uh, and to sort of jump the gun here, that is the storyline I'm following this year. Is, you know, the Cardinals have a, a great offense, an offense that should be the best in this division, probably by a significant margin. The Brewers do have a great pitching staff, and that goes beyond Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. It extends to the likes of uh, Devin Williams and Josh Hader in the back of the bullpen. And it is sort of a strength versus strength here, which strength will prevail. And I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm looking more so at the second half of the last season rather than the first half to inform my opinion for this season. In the second half of the last season, the Cardinals offense came alive. They figured out the pitching rotation enough. And I think, you know, when you have a full season, you have a bigger opportunity to sort of test out, plug and play different uh, options in the pitching rotation. And so I expect this to look more like the second half of last season when the Cardinals were the better team and the Brewers were more so just holding on to the, the ground, holding on to the, the advantage that they had established during the first half of the season uh, before their offensive problems really became an issue and before St. Louis really figured everything out. Yeah, I mean, I'll just throw in that I think, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities here where we get to the uh, trade deadline and the Cardinals are in a position to be buying. Uh, whether they do that or not, obviously that depends on a lot of things, but uh, they're in a position to be buyers, and I think it wouldn't be, you know, completely surprising to see the Brewers in a position to be selling because – uh, you know, I think at last check, correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, if you know this, but I think the Brewers are 25th or so in um, farm system rankings, and I think they only have two top 100 prospects right now. So it wouldn't be surprising for me to see them push some of these pieces like Josh Hader um, uh, out of their bullpen and, and cash in on what they have right now and bolster their prospect situation a little bit, you know. At the end of the day, if they're not com if they're not competing for a World Series, then they're going to have to look in the mirror and face that and try and extend their competition window a little bit uh, rather than throw it all in on you know this year and mostly last year. I would say two top one hundred prospects is right and no top right. fifty prospects. So all right, so Eric, let's hear from you before Brendan closes out this central talk with his storyline. What storyline are you looking at uh, in this? central in 2020 yeah i mean i think we've talked about at length that this is obviously a two-horse race in this division there's still up for much debate and i think it's going to rely on the health of this pitching rotation it's always going to come back to that i think uh we may be down on the brewers offense um have a little more optimism on on the cardinals uh offense um but i think if flaherty can't come back 
the way he was uh, two or three years ago, uh, how Steven Matz is going to play out, how uh, Adam Wainwright's going to play in his age 40, 41 season, um, how Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, if they can stay healthy and reproduce their 20, uh, 21 season, I think that's going to make all the difference in this division. So we're going to have to keep an eye on, uh, see how well they're going to pitch throughout the entire year. Yeah, I think that's you know definitely a good point, and obviously that'll be a huge factor throughout uh, the whole season. But um, I'm looking into the playoffs here. You know, whoever ends up winning this division, whether it's the Cardinals or the Brewers, I think um, you know there are a lot of questions of can either of these teams uh, win a playoff series against some of these bigger names in the in the National League and. Uh, you know, quite frankly, I'm not going to go too far into that because we'll get into our playoff predictions in a little bit. But uh, that's a question a lot of people are out there asking right now is, you know, how seriously can we take this NL Central division? And it's a worthwhile question. It's definitely a worthwhile question. All right. Moving into the – well, actually, let me go over the uh, over-unders, not skip those for the NL Central. Um, Brewers are currently projected at 89.5 wins as they're over-under. Cardinals at 84.5. Cubs and Reds in the same ballpark at 75 and 74 and a half, respectively. And then the Pirates at 65 and a half. Any bets that you like that you would be willing to uh, put some money down on there, gentlemen? Yeah, I mean, outside of taking the over for the Cardinals at 84 and a half, I, I definitely don't think the Pirates avoid a 100 loss season. So under 65 and a half seems pretty safe to me. Yeah, it'd be tough for me to bet on the Brewers and the Cardinals, particularly with the debate that we've had. Uh, I might be rolling with an under on the Cincinnati Red side, considering they're making questionable decisions about getting rid of the, some of their franchise icons. Um, for example, uh, like Eugenio Suarez is in with the Mariners now, like among others. So like it's it's tough to see how well they're going to play this year. So I probably lean on the underside of that 74 and a half win total. I think, I, I don't think both will go under, but I think either the Cubs or the Reds could go under just depending on a little bit of luck. And maybe if they make some more sales or, uh, you know, yeah, it, basically if any veterans get traded out of those teams, I think they could both easily go under. All right, moving to the NL East. And this was the division that produced uh, the last World Series winner, and also the division that produced probably the winner, so to say, of the offseason uh, in the Braves, who are the defending World Series champions, and the Mets, who were the winners of the offseasons in a lot of ways, acquiring the likes of Starling Marte, uh, Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, oh yeah, and Max Scherzer. Uh, so Vegas does still have the Braves as the favorites in this division, at plus 115, but the Mets are right behind them in at plus 200. The Phillies, who seemingly decided this offseason that defense just doesn't matter in signing uh, Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber to a team that was already defensively questionable, they're in third at plus 330. The Marlins uh, pick it up at fourth at plus 1600, and then the Nationals all the way down in fifth. Oh, how the mighty have fallen at plus 5,500. So I will kick us off in the East discussion as the uh, East Coast representative of this podcast. And I actually think the Mets take the Braves in this one. Uh, the Mets made a lot of additions that really strengthen this team. Uh, yes, the health of Jacob deGrom is still a big question mark. And as long as your best player has question marks about his health, that is a 
potentially scary proposition to be scaring down. But I like the Mets. I love their managing hire of Buck Showalter to take the reins there in New York. I think this is a perfect team for him to be in charge of. And so I will have the Mets finishing first, the Braves finishing second, the Phillies third, Marlins fourth, Nationals fifth. Now, are you two, you know, picking up what I'm putting down or maybe you're a little bit higher on the Braves this year, uh, seeing as they are the defending World Series champions after all? Well, I'll jump in here because I, I do side with you as far as the Mets coming out on top on the NL East. Uh, I think this team made a lot of improvements, and this was a team that I was high on last year, and I think they underperformed uh, to a certain extent. And I think that the loss of Freddie Freeman is going to be uh, really tough for the Braves uh, mentally, even though they've replaced him um, with uh, Matt Olson. And, you know, I think it's just going to be a transition period for that roster. And while they do have a lot of Starfire, uh, or uh, star power, I should say, <laughs> Starfire as well. Starfire. Starfire. Yeah, that sounds a lot more intense. Um, but uh, I do think the Braves and the Mets will compete all season long. It'll come down to the wire. Uh, and I'll give the Mets the edge uh, as the division winners. But I'll have the Braves uh, making uh, a wild card splash into the playoffs in the second spot. Now, this is where uh, things get a little interesting in my mind. It, John, you did mention already that the Phillies kind of just completely discounted defense and they're going all offense. Uh, and I think some of my sentiments last year with how I was evaluating some of these teams uh, will kind of give some insight as to why I'm about to say what I'm going to say. But I have the Miami Marlins finishing third in the division, which is probably an unpopular pick over the Philadelphia Phillies, who I have finishing fourth, and the Nationals, of course, coming last. Uh, you know, I think the bottom three teams here will be a lot closer than uh, a lot of people are projecting, just because I think the Marlins pitching staff takes a big leap with the likes of Sandy Alcantara continuing his stardom. Uh, and Trevor Rogers, I think, is uh, an outstanding young young lefty, and I think he makes uh, a big jump and, and builds on a lot of his success he's already shown. He's got lights out stuff. He throws, uh, you know, incredibly hard, and he's got great breaking stuff to, to pair with it. So I think the Miami Marlins could make uh, make some noise here in the NL East this year. And you know, again, I don't think the Phillies' theory that they're just going to hit their way. Uh, to the top of this division is going to play out very well because, you know, you can have whoever you want on the mound, but unless they strike out 27 batters a game, you're going to have to lean on your defense a little bit. And I don't think that they're going to be very happy with the end result of their uh, defensive showing this season. So I'll take them finishing fourth in the division. And worth noting, just a little nugget to throw in there before we get to Eric. The Marlins have the names uh, Rogers, Alcantara that you mentioned. They also have four pitchers who are in the top 100 prospects, all of which could reasonably see time in the major leagues this year. So there is upside in Miami, I guess is what I'm trying to say. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I, I mean, for me, given that upside, I, I actually think – so I have it broken down a little differently than – um, John and Brendan here, I, I'd say there's also, or at least I personally say there's more three tiers in this. I think the Braves I have winning at the top of the division, which is much different than Brendan and John here. Um, I think they're going to keep the Mets, Phillies, Marlins, at a, and, and Nationals at a comfortable distance throughout the season. Because I think even with the loss of Freddie Freeman, who is a phenomenal player, uh, this 
lineup is still going to be really good with uh, Ronald Acuna coming back. Ozzy Alves is still a great player. I think Austin Riley had a phenomenal season last year. I think Matt Olson is going to hold the fort down at first base. Um, and I like what I see out of the rotation, and they still have a phenomenal bullpen in individuals like Tyler Matzik, Will Smith, Kenley Jansen, who they picked up, A.J. Minter. I mean, these were lights-out pitchers in the, the postseason last year. Um, so I think they're going to hold the fort down throughout the year, and they're going to be perfectly fine and uh, in, in comfortably winning this division over this Mets team um, that you guys have mentioned, who I do have in the second spot. Um, though I think they're going to be more struggling with the Phillies and the Marlins behind them um, than they are trying to catch the Braves. Um, I, I mentioned it last year. I liken the Mets closer to the Los Angeles Angels in the NL in that they have a lot of promising upstarts, but they can never finish the job. While I do have them projected in the postseason, I, I don't think it's going to be as clear-cut as uh, we want it to be. Um, I'm optimistic of the players that they have. Uh, th however, uh, Jacob deGrom is coming off an injury at the moment. Uh, Max Scherzer, we'll have to see if he can sustain a full season because uh, he did run out of gas at the end of last season. So I think there's a lot of questions around this Mets team that you guys are putting a lot of optimism into. Uh, while I'm, I feel like I'm a little more conservative. Uh, I have the Phillies there. We already mentioned about their uh, like offensive dependencies. Um, so they're not consistent enough to make the postseason in my mind. You guys already mentioned the Marlins, who do have some promising upstarts on their pitching rotation that I think will uh, push the Mets and the Phillies much more than I think the oddsmakers currently have them at. Um, the, the Marlins, I mean, did a great job, I think it was two years ago at this point. So I think they have a good opportunity to get back to that point. Um, but I, so I think I think these three are kind of in that second tier, and I think the Nationals are definitely the worst team here um, in this division, uh, who we all have projected at the bottom. Juan Soto is going to need a lot more help. They traded away a lot of their pitching prospects, or, or their, their top tier pitching rather. Um, so they're going to need to rebuild. So they're at least a couple of years away from my perspective. Um, but that that's how I have it: Braves, Mets, Phillies, Marlins, Nationals. No, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, and I. Just to circle back a little bit on the Braves, I'm just worried about, A, the depth of their rotation um, because that rotation seems to go through a lot of ups and downs despite the young pitching prospects. Mike Soroka hasn't been healthy in, for, in forever. We'll see if we see him this year. Uh, and so, you know, Charlie Morton coming off that broken leg in the World Series, he is up there in age. I don't know what he's going to be able to deliver. But we'll see. It wouldn't surprise me if the Braves won it. I just think that there's going to be a sort of World Series hangover in play. And uh, I also just like what the Mets have done. Um, now, let's get to those storylines. Um, I sort of just gave mine away there. It is a question of what kind of uh, World Series hangover do we see from the Braves. Um, so that was a, a pretty nice segue there. Because, look, the Braves still have a very good team. Eric is 100% correct in saying that you know, their bullpen is still a huge strength. They lost Freddie Freeman, but I'm not sure that they lost a whole lot offensively. Uh, and it's, I think it's a matter of, you know, do we see Ronald Acuna come back sooner than later? If he's back sooner, then, you know, maybe we all look silly for picking the Mets over the Braves. If he takes longer than expected to come back from his injury, uh, then maybe we were right all along. But uh, it's just, you know... How do the Braves bounce back from such an emotional high of winning that World Series very unexpectedly? 
And can they sort of repeat the process this year? That's fair. I think uh, from my end, I'm, I'm going to keep uh, a look at your your guys' division winners and the Mets here. And I'm going to keep my eye on Francisco Lindor, who was the big signing last season in particular. And I think his production last year was kind of representative of how the Mets – uh, underperformed. Uh, I mean, he, he hit 230 last year, is his worst in the big leagues um, after coming from uh, the Cleveland Guardians. Um, and I, I would expect him to be much better for the Mets to do well this year, from my perspective. Um, he's a switch hitter, currently hitting a three hole for this lineup. And I think they're going to need a lot of production out of him to make this push for top of the division that you guys are projecting at. Um, so I think that's going to be a significant factor and something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the Mets will go um, much like Lindor will go this season. So if he has a better year, as uh, I'm projecting him to, then I think you know the Mets will compete at least for the very top of this division for sure. And I just want to shine another light on the the Miami Marlins pitching staff. I think you know there's not a question anymore about how good Sandy Alcantara is, but I think the question is, uh, in my mind at least, just how high can he take this as far as um, his stardom in Miami and I think this team is going to really show that the youth that they've been working on for the last few years is uh you know it's it's really going to shine I think this year and and like I already mentioned I think Trevor Rogers is very very um underrated as far as uh the different things that people are looking at when they get excited about young pitchers um I think Trevor Rogers, uh, you know, not to spoil anything, but I think he could make a push to even compete to be in the top five of Cy Young this year. And we'll see how this Miami team keeps up with the rest of the NL East. But yeah, I just, I'm just, you know, pretty excited to see how these how these young guns do. All right, I have to ask this question before we get to our playoff predictions. Does any part of your opinion on Sandy Alcantara? come from the fact that he was once part of the St. Louis Cardinals minor league system? Um, I, I would be definitely wrong if I said no. But, um, I mean, I think a lot of my opinion of him comes from the, the showing that he's had in the major leagues. So I'll, I'll just say that, yes, I am a much bigger fan of his from his Cardinals days. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm more impressed with him by what he's done in the major leagues for the Marlins than anything he did for the Cardinals in their minor league system. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. But as the uh, as the guy who always is celebrating players for any connection that they have to the Orioles, I just had to yeah, ask. Yeah, I mean, I would, it would be wrong for me to say no. So. All right, so let's get into the awards then. Uh, actually, let me not skip over the over-unders for the NL East. Uh, Atlanta at 91.5, Mets at 88.5, Phillies at 85.5, Marlins 76, and Nationals 71.5. So a pretty tightly bunched division, all things told. Anything that stands out here? Yeah, pretty straightforward for me. Again, I I don't like this Phillies team at all, so I think 85.5 is uh, a little high, so I would would take the under on there. I like that one. Eric, anything Uh, for me? I don't really like any of these. Maybe I'll roll the under in Washington just because I don't think they're going to make that much of a play this season, but these are pretty close in line with... Like I, Marlins are tough to bet on, I think, because there's a lot of questions there. So I, I probably more likely roll the under for the Washington Nationals line of 71 and a half. Let me ask this: Is there any team that you would be surprised if they went under? Because I would say no. Surprised they? Went I also under. would say no. I also would say no. Yeah. As in, like, 
Is there any team out of these five where if they went under their projection, you'd be like, wow, I didn't see that? I think coming. there's a path. Well, for I think, all, I all think of these the Marlins. I mean, I'd probably pick the Marlins. I, I think 76.5 is probably pretty much in line with where I'd be more bullish on the Marlins, probably, considering what we've been talking about. I, if they went significantly under that line, I'd be pretty disappointed with how their season and their roster composition is at the moment, then. Okay, cool. All right, let's move on with the awards now. Uh, NL MVP, last year it was. In my mind, a little surprisingly, Bryce Harper. I'm not sure that I quite understood that vote. But he is the reigning MVP. Do we see a repeat like we predicted in the AL? Or, Eric, do you have someone else taking it home instead of the Philly slugger? I definitely have it going to Juan Soto, despite him being on the worst team, one of the worst teams, I guess, in the NL. Um, definitely not the worst team. Um, but I think he's, I mean, the best player that they have in the NL, and I think he's going to show up this year. He just won't have as much... Um, around him to help him, I guess. Uh, and um, I think it will definitely mirror what we have with Mike Trout in the AL. All right, I like it. I like it. That, that would actually be something for presumably a last-place team to have the MVP on it, but Juan Soto is that good. Brendan, you picking a Cardinal to win your MVP, or are you uh, slowing the bias well, down? You just know, I wouldn't bit? throw Tyler O'Neill completely out of question, and you can't ever count out Nolan Arenado. But, uh, yeah, I won't go with a Cardinal this time. I'll take Mookie Betts as much as I hate to say it. You know, I think the Dodgers, obviously, I think – they win 100 games and win their division. And, uh, you know, it'll just be tough to, to look away from Mookie Betts, who almost certainly leads the major leagues and runs scored uh, if the Dodgers perform as expected uh, and, and kind of turn their heads away from him if, if they put up, you know, absurd offensive numbers and win, you know, 105 games again this year. I think it would be difficult for anybody not to vote for him to win MVP for being kind of the uh, – the starter for this offense and, uh, you know, really the cog that makes them churn. So, yeah, I'll go with Mookie Betts for sure. All right, and then I'm, I am I felt robbed last year because I picked Ronald Acuna to win the MVP at the beginning of last season. He looked well on his way to doing so, and then he hurt his knee. Uh, I'm picking Acuna again. Uh, he's not in the lineup right now because he's still recovering from that injury. But I think once, again, once he gets back in that lineup, he will uh, pick things back up where he was and take home that MVP, even though I have the Braves finishing second in the division. Brendan, let's kick it to you for Cy Young. Yeah, I mean, I've already spoken about this man a lot, and I'm going to go with Sandy Alcantara for all the reasons I've already listed. I like the pick. There you go. Short and sweet. Yeah, it's a great pick. Uh, For me, I'm going to go with Walker Buehler, uh, more of a homer pick. I've been a big fan of Walker Buehler. I think, um, from my perspective, he has good peripherals to to be in that contention. I mean, he's gotten Cy Young votes uh, two of his past, what, five years? Um, so I think this will definitely be the year and the momentum that the Dodgers are going to bring. I think Wachabula is going to show up and uh, take over um, that one hole in, in, our, in the Dodgers' uh, pitching rotation. Um, I will throw a dark horse out. I, I did like Carlos Rodon. I think I picked him last year as a, a possible also dark horse for the uh, Chicago White Sox. He is now on San Francisco Giants. Um, if the Giants are to make a run, I think it's going to be a lot on Carlos Rodon outplaying his projections. And I think um, he de- can make a play as a dark horse for that Cy Young Award. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I, I was tempted to go Walker Bueller myself, um, but knew that you would probably give him some love, so I went in a different direction. I'll be honest here. I was not confident about any of the pitchers in the NL for taking home the Cy Young. Uh, not at all. Uh, and so I settled with a old friend of the podcast, Jack Flaherty and Lucas Giolito's lifelong buddy, Max Freed of the Atlanta Braves. 
uh, continuing, doing a little spoiler of our AL episode, continuing a, a theme we saw in our AL episode where I had the two award winners coming from the same team uh, and in the NL where I have both of the Braves taking home honors. But once again, I'm not confident in that pick. Uh, I just like to give a shout out to Max Freed, Jack Flaherty, and Lucas Giolito's best friend. And so... With that, let's go to our postseason predictions. I will run through mine really quickly. Uh, I have the Dodgers as the one seed, the Mets coming in at the two seed. I have the Cardinals as the three seed. And in the wild card round, I have the Cardinals matching up with the Giants and the Padres matching up with the Braves. Uh, I do think that while it could be a tough matchup, Giants-Cardinals, I do think the Cardinals are just the better team. And so I have them advancing to the division series. Uh, I think the Braves uh, show that they are better for having that postseason experience last year. And they take the Padres down, even though they will be the lower seed, uh, which sets up a Dodgers-Braves, what seems like an annual tradition now in the playoffs, and a Mets-Cardinals uh, I think the Mets, let me just uh, jump ahead of the, that Dodgers-Braves matchup. I think the Mets get revenge for the 2006 NLCS, given a little bit of a throwback here. And I think they take down the Cardinals. Sorry, Brendan. And then I think they meet the Dodgers in the NLCS, where the Dodgers, I don't love it, but I just think it's too smart to not pick this. I think the Dodgers will go back to the World Series where they will face off against the Blue Jays. If you want to see why I have the Blue Jays there, be sure to check out the AL episode. And I think the Dodgers come up short again. I think the Blue Jays take it home. I love this Blue Jays team. Again, sorry, Eric. Sorry, Brendan. I'm not picking your teams to win the World Series. I'm going Blue Jays. You know Jays. what? That's okay, John. I, I don't have the Orioles well, that, that's okay. games this year, so that's fine. <laughs> I'll say that's okay. I think uh, I do like the Blue Jays team. If there was a team that uh, – I mean, I believe this is still true. For every team that's won the World Series over the past couple of years, they needed to beat the Dodgers. So that means the Dodgers do need to make the World Series for the Blue Jays to win. Fair play, Foy play. Brendan, tell me why I'm wrong. Well, number one, I mean, you're obviously flawed in your logic here because the Cardinals are not going to be the three seed and they're not going to have to play the Giants in the first round because the Giants aren't going to make the playoffs. As I already mentioned, I have uh, division winners. Los Angeles Dodgers, unfortunately, I had them as the one seed. You know, again, as I said multiple times already, uh, I think – you know, they're just too good. They have too much money to not win 100 games, 105 games. So, yeah, they'll probably finish as the one seed in the National League, and that's, you know, no surprise to most people listening to this. Uh, but I do have the St. Louis Cardinals sliding in as the two seed, so they'll get that first round by, and they'll take on uh, the winner of the wild card matchup of the three and six seed. Uh, getting to that matchup, I have the in at least winning New York Mets as my three seed, obviously. And the sixth seed, uh, I have the Milwaukee Brewers coming up against the Mets. And I gave the Mets the edge here in a three-game series. Uh, I have the Mets winning uh, in the full three games. I just don't think, as, as you know, I've already spoken, that this Brewers pitching staff is going to be as dominant as they were last year, and I think that's really what they need to win these playoff series. So I'll give the edge to the Mets, and they'll move on to face the Cardinals in the NLDS. And in the other wildcard matchup, I have the four-seed San Diego Padres taking on the five-seed Atlanta Braves. And similar to John, I have the Atlanta Braves taking this in, in a slight upset over the Padres uh, in the full three games. So, again, I will have the Dodgers and Braves matchup that John said as a uh, staple for all playoff series uh, each year now. So I'll, I'll have the Dodgers taking down the Braves in that first NLDS matchup. 
uh, in a clean sweep, shockingly, in three games. Uh, I just don't think the Braves have the magic this year to uh, give the Dodgers much of a fight, and the Dodgers will easily move on to the NLCS, where they will be meeting, uh, surprise, surprise, the St. Louis Cardinals, who I have taking down the New York Mets in the other NLDS matchup uh, in four games. Uh, and that brings us to uh, the main event of the National League, the National League Championship Series, where, uh, you know, who do you call when you need to take down a giant? I think you call the giant slayers the St. Louis Cardinals in for a seven-game series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And as they've done many times, I think the St. Louis Cardinals take down these Los Angeles Dodgers, who will be the odds-on favorite to win the World Series for basically the entire year. I have them taking down the Dodgers in six games, um, you know, who knows? I'm sure I'll get a lot of hate hate messages about this, especially from my co-host Eric, but, hey, I'll stick with it. What the heck? And uh, that puts the St. Louis Cardinals in the World Series against uh, the Houston Astros, and we'll finally get to have this resolution to all of the drama of the past 10 or 15 years here between the St. Louis Cardinals organizations, or between the St. Louis Cardinals and Houston Astros organizations. And uh, in, a, in a thrilling fashion, I have the St. Louis Cardinals winning in the full seven games uh, against the Houston Astros. So uh, that's kind of how I have things shaken out. And, um, yeah, I'm sure many, many people listening to this will be agreeing with me. And I know Eric, I know Eric does as well, so I'll let him get into, into his predictions. The all-NL Central World Series. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, Brennan definitely took us for a ride there. I mean, I, I – I don't know if our listeners uh, are buying into this uh, wildness that he's he's breaking here, but it'll be a fun fantasy world for uh, for Brendan as uh, he continues to watch his Cardinals and see how that plays out. But on my end, so I have the Dodgers as the one seed, uh, no questions there. I have the Braves doing well enough to get the uh, other first round buy as the two seed. Uh, so a little different than how my colors are projecting it. Uh, I have the Brewers. Uh, winning their division, obviously, getting the three seed, and they're going to be playing the New York Mets, who are going to uh, clinch that last wild card spot um, and that flex spot there. I have the Brewers beating the Mets in three games still. Um, I think they'll be good enough to get out of that wild card matchup. Then I have uh, in wild card four and wild card five, I have the Padres playing against the St. Louis Cardinals here. Um, I have that game also going to three games. Uh, for that series, and I do have the Cardinals beating the Padres here. Uh, I went through a lot of debate because I, I do like the Padres pitching rotation more, but I do think the Cardinals do have a little more offensive firepower to outplay the Padres, and the Padres are definitely more likely to choke than uh, the Cardinals are, um, who definitely have a lot more uh, postseason prowess, I, I would say. Um, so that leads us to the NLDS. Um, I have the Los Angeles Dodgers playing the St. Louis Cardinals. I, and I will also mention here that uh, to Brendan's earlier question, it sounds like all of us have teams from the NL Central winning at least a, uh, a, a series here um, in the postseason. Um, I have the uh, Dodgers and Cardinals duking it out to five games. I, I definitely think the Cardinals always give the Dodgers a run for the money, as, as Brendan mentioned. Um, I do have the Dodgers winning this one, though, uh, making it to NLCS. And then on the other uh, NLDS, I have the Braves easily handling the Brewers in three games. I think the Brewers are going to run out of gas, similar to how we mentioned earlier. And I think the Braves are uh, better built, definitely, for the postseason. And that leads us to another Dodgers-Braves-NLCS matchup. And I think this one will, again, go the full ride of seven games. Um, definitely be a fun uh, 
matchup as we see Freddie Freeman um, duke it out against his old team here and see any drama that might ensue there. I have the Dodgers beating the Braves in seven games, which leads me to the World Series. Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers as the NL representative, and then the Toronto Blue Jays from our AL episode representing the AL. Um, I think that'll be a great series. I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching this series. Uh, I have it differently than how John is kind of projecting it out. I have the Dodgers being good enough to beat the Blue Jays in six games um, and having the Dodgers win a uh, another World Series in 2022. Yeah, didn't you guys All miss right. me with the so, Cardinals winning the World Series? Man, it's, it's been a long time, but it's, it's good to be back. I feel home. Absolutely. And, and so just to recap, Eric has his favorite team winning the World Series. Brendan has his favorite team winning the World Series. My favorite team is not playing uh, anywhere near good enough to even sniff the playoffs, let alone the World Series. So I'm picking my favorite player to win the World Series. Only the most unbiased takes here at Line em Up. That's right. Uh, but that will bring us at the end of our NL episode. It was great to have you boys all together again on the podcast. And I am super looking forward to this season two of Line em Up. I'm super looking forward to this baseball season and just being able to sit down and chat with you all uh, every so often. It's been a pleasure, John. Yeah. Looking forward to the next episode. The whole gang's all back together. We have Brendan back in our uh, imaginary booth here, and we have you, the listener, listening with us. So keep on joining us for the rest of the season, and we'll have fun all along the way. And like we've said a couple times, if you haven't yet checked out the American League preview episode, please go do that. If you have not checked us out on social media, you can find us at Line em Up Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. We will be working hard to put some more content out on those social websites, engage with you listeners more when we are not uh, putting out new episodes, uh, so in between episodes. And other than that, uh, thank you boys once again for joining us, and thank you for all who listened, and we will see you in the next episode.